the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. My name is Kate Setter and I am your host for today. We are working on episode number 24 of the podcast, and our topic today is traditions. As we are um, in the first day of December, and we know that there are many traditions this time of year that families um, in our community here at Cincinnati Children's and around the world are celebrating, we thought this would be a really fun topic to explore with some members of our pastoral care team. I am thrilled to be joined in the studio today with Daphne Baines. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And two of our staff chaplains here at Cincinnati Children's, Yisrael Kaufman and Mark Zumhagen. Did I get that close enough, Mark? You did. Awesome. <laughs> Thank <job>. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glad to be here. Absolutely appreciate it. I'm impressed you got my name. Yes. I did it? Yeah, you got it. You got it. All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I am so grateful that you all are here. And this topic of traditions is one that I love because I am thinking a lot about about traditions. And interestingly, I feel like so many of our traditions have to do with food. Mm. Um, And one of my kids is already asking about one for, uh, for later in December. But let's start with uh, just kind of help us ground us in what is a tradition? Anybody interested in taking that one as the the first one? Well, to me, a tradition is something that helps groups of people, families in particular, connect with the generations. It kind of is a, a marker of transcendence because so many things are passed down through traditions. One of my favorite family traditions um, on the Latino side of my family is uh, Christmas Eve. They have a pozole cook-off where everybody gets together and they make this delicious soup. And, you know, that w- it was a recipe, uh, going back to your uh, thought about food, uh, it was a recipe that was passed down from mother to daughter for generations. And, and they just would get together and gather and make this food for Christmas Day, and and that became one of our big traditions. So a lot of traditions commemorate these special holiday times and the sense of family, the sense of gathering, the sense of community, and kind of formalize it. That's what tradition is for me. I I would add for for me, traditions is those family moments that are those really meaningful moments that the children remember, the children take with them. It's the ones that people just look forward to that are exciting. And they're not necessarily necessarily religious, but it's the, it's those really exciting moments that those highlights throughout the year that you look back and say, hey, that was really exciting. That was fun. That was a fun time together with family. That was a fun time with friends. And everyone getting together, that's really what brings meaning into their lives, even greater than their moments of their religious faith, but it's those traditional moments that bring that excitement. And I can add, not only in the family, but you have traditions in the church, 
We have traditions in the community. I'm thinking about the African-American community. Um, so in churches, you have plays and children doing speeches and children, they look forward to that every single year. And so you have the family there, but you also have the church community. And then outside of the church community, just the um, organizations around and that's attaching to the family. We do things with them all the time, and so it's something you look forward to, and it just unifies the community, the church, and the family. I like that theme of unification, and as we are looking at this time of year, but also the rest of the year, I'd love to know a little bit about the traditions that are most meaningful to you. Um, Mark, I, I love your, your example. Are there any others that are, that are particularly meaningful for you or your family or your faith? Well, we're in December. Today's December 1st, and um, Advent is a huge one. Mm -hmm. So getting together and not only doing tradition at church where an Advent candle mm -hmm. is lit and we have a reading, but also uh, taking that back home. Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that not only am I doing this with my family, but my brothers and sisters are doing this, and my kid's cousin are doing this, um, that's really special for us. And then gathering together for the big celebration. Uh, we just came out of Thanksgiving, and it's our tradition to go to Chicago, where all my brothers and sisters are. I'm the oldest of nine kids. Wow. so. It's madness. <laughs> it's a delightful madness. Right. Um, so and this year we started a new tradition. That all the kids are in choirs, so they went up to the balcony and sang to everybody uh, while vigorously toasting their sparkling apple cider. <laughs> Love that sparkling apple cider. <laughs> That's nice. That's a great memory. Yes. Or a great tradition. Sorry about that. Will you all go to Chicago this year? Well, we just came back. Oh, okay. You were there for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. there, okay. And that's another part of our tradition. We're there mm -hmm. for Thanksgiving. And the new tradition that we've started uh, in our family is is being home for Christmas. Mm. Okay. Even if that means it's a slower pace. Mm. And it is amazing to see how much uh, the kids have really responded to that. As much as they love being with all their cousins and everybody, um, they do really love that home kind of quiet Christmas morning, which I think is another part of tradition, right? It's something that you do and you say, wow, that was really nice. Mm -hmm. We should do it again. Mm -hmm. Well, the food that I mentioned earlier that my, my kids are already excited about is a Christmas casserole mm -hmm. that I started making several years ago. It was one of those I saw a recipe and I'm like, well, this looks delicious. Mm -hmm. um, and I made it for Christmas morning. And oh my goodness, if we didn't have the casserole, there would be uprising mm. in the house because everybody looks forward to it now. And I love that. It was just on a whim. I didn't mean for it to be a tradition, but I feel like sometimes it's really neat how they, um, something that just everybody really, really likes and it becomes a new tradition mm -hmm. um, in the midst of the ones that are, um, that are that have been around longer, I guess. Mm -hmm. What about you, Daphne? What, how are... How are you thinking about traditions this time of year? And I think traditions change, you know. They, they're maybe not changed, but they're modified because of the pandemic. Um, I think about my family. We have family that lives in Virginia, New York State, 
and now in Ohio. Okay. And so we all come together. You know, the last year, the pandemic, everyone could not come together. Um, but this year, we're looking forward to just a family coming together. And so that tradition, we, um, for Christmas, I'm thinking of Christmas, and there's some other traditions too that I'll share as well. Um, but we do what's called call the tree. I don't know if you're familiar with that, call the tree. So all the gifts are under the tree and we have the oldest grandchild to um, make sure everyone gets that he disperses the gifts. Mm -hmm. And so we call that calling the tree. And so I'm looking forward to that. My oldest grandchild is seven years old. So now he can read everything and he can boss everyone around <laughs> and tell us he sets the flow mm -hmm. of calling the tree. So that's a tradition I'm definitely looking forward to. And is that a generational tradition? Did yes. your kids do that before yes. your grandkids did? Yes. That's yes. amazing. And we did it with my mom. Um, so we did it in my family to my husband they did it in their family okay. and so our children did it now we're to the grandchildren that's really fun yeah very nice Yisrael you are a rabbi in our community and so will you tell us a bit about traditions this time of year in your faith yeah absolutely and December 1st right now signifies that we're in the middle of Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. So it's the holiday of Hanukkah, that it's the third day, and it's just so exciting. The, all the different traditions between the menorah lighting and playing dreidel, and then there's singing the regular holiday songs. It's singing and dancing the whole family together after lighting the menorah. And then, of course, there's the gifts that the kids get, and they're hoping to get one each night, and that's the fun of having an eight-day holiday <laughs> is they're hoping to get eight. <laughs> so there's something fun every night. I can't mm -hmm. say there's a gift every night, but although they wish that. And then talking about food, of course there's food. There's mm -hmm. donuts, which mm -hmm. are sifkaniyot, or something is very traditional, having potato latkes. They're like potato patties that... Mm -hmm all the different things that are fried in lots of oil because mm. the miracle happened with oil. We light a menorah, which is uh, candles or lighting with oil, and it's all foods that are with oil. So that's all different, exciting, okay. exciting traditions. And then we'll take it to the kids with making cookies mm. with dreidel or menorah cookies and then decorating cakes and having different kind of snacks that are all around. They have these candies that are dreidel candies that the kids got last night that was lots of fun and all like we'll play dreidel that if you win the game then you get instead of giving money we give candy oh, okay. or we'll give something else <laughs> so there'll be other excitements so it's just so much fun and there's just it's something that the kids really look forward to and it's those memories that, that really takes them along and it's beyond, it's making the holiday exciting. It's making it alive for the children. Oh, I love that thought, bringing it to life. It's the holiday is alive. Mm -hmm. That's, I admit, I was extremely envious of a Jewish friend when I was younger who had the eight days of celebration mm -hmm. um, during Hanukkah. And it, it always seemed a little bit like, I kind of want to celebrate that, um, that with them as well. And that friend's family 
was um, had a, a parent who celebrated Hanukkah and a parent who celebrated Christmas, mm-hmm. and they kind of had a combined holiday. And I'm curious if you all have thoughts on on ways to do that and help families kind of honor many traditions mm-hmm. and uh, in different faiths. So I think that's something that we see all the time, even even amongst the Jewish community, that there's families that are originate from Europe, and then there's then there that they bring some traditions from Spain, or they'll bring traditions from Israel, or or even just American traditions, and that all blends together in such a beautiful way as families pick up, and then really they connect with certain traditions, and some of them are the ones that connect um, all the way back for many generations, and then there's the, some of those that just the family gravitates to that are more meaningful to them, and they continue on with their family and then their children slowly navigate and that's how it shifts a little mm-hmm. throughout the generations but it really blends together all those different traditions really come together in such a beautiful way mm-hmm. and i can speak to that too um, so our family we celebrate the traditions of the christian faith you know we do christian christmas but we also celebrate kwanzaa so that starts the day after christmas so we're able to really enjoy christmas day and then seven additional days of celebration for Kwanzaa. And so putting it together. See, that's you know, someone that wanted eight days. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> eight days, that's right. That's so like, and I so, want to celebrate. Right, so we're celebrating um, Kwanzaa from the 26th to the 1st, January the 1st, and we're cooking and eating and talking about different principles and with our family. Um, when my children were younger, we actually, did activities. Mm-hmm. Now that my children are grown and gone, they have their own families, and we try to continue the um, tradition of Kwanzaa by just making sure that the principles are highlighted within our families. There's this wonderful application that we use, it's called Marco Polo. And so on our phones every day of Kwanzaa, I say what the actual principle is and what it means. and our family talks about how can we apply this principle throughout the day. And so we, I leave it to the individual families to figure out what activities they would do to the children. I know we can't show this book, but I gave my children this book. It's called Kwanzaa, an African-American holiday. And I gave them this book so that they can share it with their children. And so we try to continue the tradition that way. And how many children and grandchildren do you have, Daphne? I have, see, this is my time to brag. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I should have mm-hmm. brought pictures. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have two daughters. Okay. And then I have three grandchildren, two grandsons and one granddaughter. And how old are all of the grandchildren? You said your oldest is seven. Seven, six, and two. Those are really fun ages. Yes, they are very, very energetic ages. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Thank you for asking. Of course. I think that's the most fun about this, you know, talking about our families is really an important part of of this season. Yes. Mark, did you have any additional thoughts on combining? Well, I loved how you've combined and in Daphne how you've integrated technology and mm-hmm. how you're using Marco Polo I mm-hmm. think that's fantastic to send that message 
each day and know that there's somebody on the other end waiting to hear that yes. and what a gift and respond to it and respond to it mm-hmm. and you know what a gift i think that's a tremendous gift to give a tremendous gift to receive and you know i think that's part of the whole idea of tradition and the holidays uh, right these traditions call us back to a specific place a specific time to groups of people um they call us back to community in general. For me, where the big incorporation was, was uh, connecting uh, the German side of my family's traditions with the Mexican side. And, uh, you know, that meant going to the Pozole night on Christmas Eve or Tamale night on New Year's Eve, and then a uh, more traditional Christmas experience. If we were with the Lutheran side of the family, uh, it meant a trip to church and then coming back home in a very orderly process of opening presents, wow. starting with the one on the top and you make your way down mm. for the children. And then um, on the other side, you would go to mass and it was kind of more of a free-for-all because there were just so many people. Mm. There yeah. were just, uh, my mom is the oldest of 10. I'm the oldest of nine. There were like 50 people around wow. all the time. So. It so was there was no order to the opening of no, gifts? No, I mean, you you were lucky if you got to make eye contact. Kind of <laughs> give a nod. Thank you. Thank you. We will talk later. Yes. Um, so, you know, I think that integration is a beautiful thing. And it really, since the tradition is calling you back to a place in time, it's the opportunity for each parent to share what was important to them and not only to be called back to that time, but to bring new people now. Mm-hmm. We're bringing them to that place and that time and that feeling. Um, so that's Those kind of my reflection. I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So just adding to some of that technology that you just said, it just, it really, I think that today's day and age where we're, where we're at with technology is just such a blessing. Mm-hmm for just, there's times that we can't share with family. We don't always have the family present. And for example, like we always like having menorah lighting and singing mm-hmm. the songs with, with my father-in-law. And he wasn't, he's obviously not able to join us. He's in New Jersey. He's not in the best of health. Mm-hmm. And we, we were able to have him on FaceTime and he joined together, he sang the songs together with us. And having that, it was just so beautiful mm-hmm. to be able to incorporate having that family together, although he wasn't really right next to us, but he was able to participate. And we did that in the synagogue as well. Oh. One night we had, there, there's one of our older congregants and he's in a nursing home, but he was always the person that prepared the menorah for the synagogue and he was always that one that made sure that the menorah Hanukkah was always his holiday that was always his specialty and we zoomed him in to the to the lighting in the synagogue Mm -hmm. and he was he was sitting there in his nursing home bed and just rocking along singing the songs and it was just so beautiful to see that that he was able to participate and be part of the tradition and being able to continue celebrating with family, friends, community, and with his congregation, even though he wasn't physically there. 
And I think that's, it just gives me that idea of sometimes there's children, there's families that are not always able to celebrate because of illness and there's different things that are going on in family that they're not able to all be in the same place, but technology really, really combines us and being able to put us together. I feel like we've really learned, like it's almost become ingrained in us um, over the last almost two years now with the pandemic that Mm -hmm. we've relied on technology so much more to stay in touch with people. But then it's, it also makes it more front of mind to say, wow, we now have this opportunity to include someone who otherwise wouldn't be able to be That's here. Um, and I'm, I, you actually, um, the, the next place that I wanted to go is actually a little bit of discussion about families who may be grieving the loss of a family member <laughs> during this time of year and just how hard that is. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if they've had a family member who's died within the last year or even a family member who is ill and isn't able to be there, that can be so, so hard. Um, how, how do you help those families keep traditions going or find the right ways to make adjustments? Well, I think because of the transcendent nature of traditions, when somebody passes, they've become part of the tradition now. Yes. So, um, a couple years ago, uh, my uncle David died uh, very suddenly, unexpectedly, and he was the guy who came to the party with all the goofball jokes. They mm-hmm. weren't even funny. <laughs> I mean, the one where you know you stick out your left hand and you kind of shake it a little bit, and then you say, "Don't worry, this is the hand." Uh, my right hand's a hand I do surgery with while they're just flapping that around on the side. (laughs) I mean, so now part of the tradition is telling the goofball jokes Mm -hmm. because he's Mm -hmm. not there to say it. And we all know, we all know where the joke came from. Right, right. Right. And then that joke got told. That joke got told this at Thanksgiving this year. Mm. Um, Another one is, uh, it goes back to food. My grandmother had this corn casserole recipe from the 50s that she made every year. And it wasn't Christmas until you tasted that corn casserole. And so now it's one of the more popular dishes and that's actually bled over to the Mexican side of the family. Mm. Um, So we uh, remember my grandmother in that way. And and there are a lot of little additions to traditions that um, get solidified when a person passes because now they've become a part of the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so before my, um, my Oma, mm-hmm. um, my dad's mother passed, I very specifically asked her to teach me how to make a couple of mm-hmm. things that are, um, you know, kind of synonymous to us kids with her. Mm-hmm. And when I asked, I remember her saying, well, these aren't even the best things that I make. <laughs> and uh, my response was, no, but they're the ones that I love the most. Mm-hmm. And will you please teach mm-hmm. me so that I can, um, so that I can know how to, how to do this. So um, one of those recipes was a streuselkuchen, um, which is kind of a yeasted bottom with, um, you know, essentially butter and sugar strudels mm. on top, which is just absolutely fantastic. And I made it when my dad visited a few weeks ago. 
and he walked in and he was like, oh, you have, like, it mm. just, he's like, I haven't had one of these in so long. Mm. And it just very much brought back this flood of emotion. And I thought mm -hmm. of her and, you know, she always served it with the most delicious coffee. I don't know how her coffee was better than everybody else's, <laughs> but it was. And, um, it, it's definitely one of those things that when it's there, she's there with us. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. I think one of the things that my mom left us, because um, she's gone, she died in 2013, mm -hmm. um, was this ideal, it's something so simple, it's not even food, it's, but it helps with serving the food. She had a um, piece of plywood that she cut and she put contact paper over it so that you could put it on top of the kitchen sink to use as extra space for serving. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, and she, my mother was so creative. Um, she was a single mom, single parent, and she had, she raised four children in the hood of Buffalo, New York, mm -hmm. and um, she just was creative, and she made Christmas, and not only Christmas, but New Year's. New Year's is a big time in the mm -hmm. African-American community. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but she made those days so meaningful because she, she took in people who didn't have anywhere else to go. And I was just thinking about how she, she didn't even hardly have any money, but yet she shared. And so that tradition has gone to um, my daughters, so I tried to pass that down to my daughters. So when you're having a big meal, mm -hmm. it's not just for you, it's for others as well. And so try to bring someone in, and that's what we always do, we always try to have a guest. That's a beautiful tradition. Yeah. And I love her ability to find a way to create more counter space, right. because I feel like there's <laughs> never enough counter space. Right, right. Um, and I just want to just lift up those moments of that initial grief yeah. and that first holiday mm -hmm. without the loved one yes. and especially remembering the best parts that they celebrated and the parts that they loved the most. And it's really hard and there's, there's no good way of moving forward without just figuring out some way to recognize and celebrate the things that they mm -hmm. that they really were meaningful to them and mm -hmm. to lift that up during that celebration. Yes. And it's somewhat bittersweet because it's it's so hard, but at the same time there's that beauty in remembering what they so so much appreciated. Yes. I've heard some families will keep a seat at the table yes. for for their loved one that first holiday or they'll do somewhat another mini celebration of life. There's different kinds of ideas, but and every family really has what's going to be meaningful and what's gonna work best for them, but it's really bittersweet and it's so hard and it's those moments that we recognize how much they added to the family mm -hmm. and they added tr to the tradition and then we just don't have them now. So it's painful, but at the same time, we're able to celebrate what their legacy and what they left behind that we can remember and we can take with the family to move forward. Yeah, I think that brings up a really important point that it's in the midst of these traditions and holidays when somebody can't be there 
when somebody's died. Mm -hmm. It's important to be able to talk about it, to be able to be angry about it, to be able to be sad about it, and know that you're not going to ruin the holiday right. if you're feeling bad. It doesn't ruin the tradition because they were a, a part of that tradition. They have extended that, and this is a time when we come together and we share the stories of who we are and who we were, and they're part of that story now. So being able to make a place for that sadness and then invite people to share what they remember, to share what impacted them, I think that's huge. Thank you all for those reflections and for that guidance for family, as I know that those first holidays are so, so hard for so many families. And the next thing that I would love to explore um, with you is what are some things that families can do to learn about traditions of others um, in other cultures and other faiths and I, I feel like there's a richness there in understanding what um, the people around us care most about. And would just love your, your thoughts and reflections on how families can go about doing that and what the value is in, in making that effort. I think I'll start because Mark has probably a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> My family was so small. Um, Mark had such a huge family. Um, my husband's family was huge as well. Um, so his father, there was like 13 children and his mother had like, his mother's family, there was 15 children. So there was a lot of uncles, aunts, and cousins. But everyone worked of the Christian faith. We all celebrated the same traditions. And so we didn't even seek out to learn about other traditions. As I got older and started working in different places, it really allowed me to see other traditions, how people celebrated their traditions. So I think if families want to learn new traditions and traditions of others, they have to seek out ways to do that. Mm -hmm. You can't be so close. And so just practicing your traditions all the time and you see there's someone else, they're doing something different, don't just ignore it, but ask questions. You may not be able to participate in it, but at least you will learn from it. And so I think that's my answer for that. I think that these traditions are really right, the, the communal storytelling time. So when you're going into learning about a new tradition or you have some curiosity, that's great. And I think just approaching that with more curiosity and uh, deep cultural humility mm. is really important. Um, I, I think that Growing up the way I did it, you know, it was all about problem solving and things. And so the idea was you get some cultural competency, right? You can mm -hmm. learn this stuff and you know it, but it's not your culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't know it. You can't know it. You didn't grow up this way. Uh, but I think there's a great value in seeking that out and in learning from other cultures. And I got to see that growing up with 
the Mexican and the German side coming together and how that crossed over now in my generation where we've adopted things from both. One of the big things that my wife and I love doing with our four daughters, uh, our oldest is 14 and the youngest is 10, so they're all kind of bunched together, no twins, um, is part of the Girl Scouts, they had to learn about different cultures. Mm. And part of that learning was they had to learn about one of the holidays and then present that to the rest of the troop or the group of troops mm -hmm. in the area. And so we got to learn about a lot of different cultures and a lot of different holidays. And that has really enriched um, our lives. And so we went through a time where we were learning about different countries. Uh, and it's fascinating to hear the traditions that they have, the holidays that they have, and um, through that process, my children developed a deep love of Asian food and Asian oh. culture. And so we've kind of modified our Christmas, and we have Asian food on Christmas. My kids love the different kind of noodles, hmm. and so they'll prepare that. They've mastered eating with chopsticks. <laughs> so oh. our Christmas looks very different <laughs> than it did for me growing up. But it's great because it's what they love and it's something that they've been able to incorporate it and given thanks for this window into another culture, realizing that it's only a window. It's not the whole culture. It's mm -hmm. only a window. Mm -hmm. But they're grateful for that. And, um, you know, it, it connects to something in them. And that's amazing to see. So I think approaching it with curiosity, mm -hmm. humility, and gratitude is the way to do it. I love that you were just telling us about a new tradition with the in you know incorporating asian food into mm -hmm. your um into your holiday and i think that new traditions are are really kind of an interesting um i, I don't know they're interesting to look at next to older traditions mm -hmm. and I am curious if there are other newer traditions. So we, we've talked a lot about the things that come came from our childhoods, but is there anything that you love that you've just started doing recently or even per, mm. perhaps since the pandemic? Um, I mean, we're looking at the second um, holiday season in pandemic times. Um, I, I actually, new traditions for us, um, have been kind of an interesting, I, I would say that Zoom has become mm -hmm. part of our holiday tradition, yeah, which sure, is sure. which is an interesting you know use of technology and but it definitely has given us the opportunity to be with family who's spread everywhere um, that we wouldn't be able to. So that that's kind of become a new tradition. And then, we also started doing matching Christmas PJs in our house, <laughs> which has become a newer one for us. I know yeah. there are tons of people who've done that forever, right. but um, it was one of those that I, I really liked. And my kids span, um, my kids are 12, nine and three. And the first year that we did it, I was kind of having a harder time finding you know, little tiny one for mm. my little one, but now everybody has these family matching right. PJs and it's right. the most magical thing ever. <laughs> um, so that's been a, a, a fun new tradition in our house that um, we've kind of put in place as 
as our holidays have become a bit more staying home mm-hmm. and just the five of us instead of our big extended mm-hmm. family traditions, which I, I miss very much. But there is something about just kind of the quiet mm. and the being home on Christmas morning and not having to get up and get everybody ready and out mm. of the house to go somewhere has been a little, um, has, has been nice for us. Um, so I don't know, any, anything newer that you, you just love this holiday or during the holiday season? And you say the word love, right? You said <laughs> new tradition that we just love. Uh-huh. I think I could say I have some new tradition, but not You're ne- not sure you love them? Love. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but with all jokes being set aside, um, a tradition that, that our family has to face now is going to the nursing home. I'm getting so emotional right now. My um, mother-in-law, is very ill and she's in a nursing home and so every holiday you know when you have these nice big family gatherings she can't come Mm -hmm. and so thankfully she's here in cincinnati with us and our family can go to her and so it's a tradition Mm -hmm. of the family um to go and be with her but then when the pandemic hit Last year, all the nursing homes closed their doors to family, and so she was alone. Um, And because she's demented, she's unable to do Zoom. She doesn't understand technology. And so so this year, every opportunity that we have for holidays, um, we can go in just two by two. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't go in um, as a group. But two by two, we go in and we share with her, you know, it's the holiday. She forget it's the holiday with each group. So it's like um, this celebration she's having over and over and over again. And so um, perhaps I do love that um, because now she's included in our family gathering. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to not only pass on the story of what's happened, but also to learn from those stories. That's true. Learning who you are and what you do based on coming back to this place every year um, at different times of the year. For us, the, the tradition that my wife and I, Sarah and I, have started was really just doing Christmas at home. Mm-hmm. Having not, like, like you said earlier, um, not having to get up and rush and, and um, be somewhere, but just to enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. Not, try to st- not try to stuff Christmas so full of mm. activity that yeah you don't actually enjoy it. And we really wanted it to be a time where we could be with our kids and they could feel um, just at peace. So I think as we're nearing the end of our time together, we might even be over. I apologize. This has been Mm -hmm. such a wonderful conversation with you both. Do either of you have any final reflections on kind of this topic that we've been talking about today or any recommendations to families? 
who are celebrating this time of year or perhaps um, looking for new things to, to learn about or new traditions to try? I think the older generation has to learn to kind of let go. Um, there are some traditions that we should try to keep perhaps, but just be open and allow your children. That was hard for me because I'm definitely the matriarch of my family and I enjoyed bringing my family together. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic hit, and not just even prior to the pandemic, my daughters have their own traditions with their husbands, you know, and so they have to go to their husband's family. And I had to give them permission to do it, basically, because they wanted to, they were telling their husbands, like, no, we can't do this because we don't want to make mom upset. So just being able to release and let your children grow. That's my final thought. I think holding that curiosity and being able to watch the tradition and, and see it unfold as time goes on and to be curious and to listen for all the stories yes. behind the tradition. Maybe the next time you're at a family holiday, ask, how did this get started? Or mm. how did that get started? And listen for the old family stories and know that you are now writing some of the new family stories. Yes. That time that you tripped over the ottoman and spilled the eggnog, it, it, that's gonna be a thing now, mm -hmm. um, for better or for worse. And to be open to that, that change. And I, I love the way that you reflected on checking in with your family about that because it was treating that story, that holiday tradition with respect. And in our case, it, it gave birth to a new tradition on my side of the family, which was uh, going up to Chicago for New Year's and having more of a celebration mm -hmm. on New Year's when that wasn't a super big thing uh, we would have the tamale night New Year's Eve, but New Year's Day wasn't really a celebration. And now it is because that's when we're able to be in town and so we see everybody. And it might not be New Year's Day exactly, it's just that weekend. Um, and if you're incorporating something from another tradition or culture, I think holidays are invitations to join in these times of joy, to join in those moments of gladness and love. And uh, I just invite even more curiosity to explore what's beyond that invitation. That is the absolute perfect way for us to round out this episode. Thank you, both of you, for your time today. And thank you to Yisrael as well, who had to leave us a little bit ago mm -hmm. to head over to the hospital and do what he does brilliantly. Mm -hmm. um, so we thank you. Happy holidays, all. Thank you for joining us for this incredible conversation. You've been listening to the Young and Healthy Podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode was recorded on December 1st, 2021.
The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Our theme music was created by Stephen Grieco, and this episode was produced by Symphony Pitts. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.